Hey, church, how we doing, everybody? Are you good? Man, it is so good to see everybody today. I want to take a minute, and I want to welcome everybody who's watching right now online. And, of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus. South Campus, we see you and we love you. And the best way we can show you is that we love you is by clapping for you. So come on, everybody. Will you put your hands together for everybody who's watching with us right now? Just so, so thankful for this amazing season that we're in. And uh, I hope that you've jumped in with us on our uh, Advent devotionals that we've been doing leading up to Christmas. It's a great way just to center your heart on the reason for the season. How many of you know this could be one of the busiest seasons of all seasons, right? All the Christmas parties, all the family gatherings, all the Christmas uh, school plays, all of the stuff. There's so many things, the gift giving, the, the making the rounds to the different houses and saying hi to everybody. There's so much going on, and uh, it's really, really important that we don't get caught up in all of this stuff and miss the Savior. Oh, come on. That's good, somebody. I didn't even plan that. I didn't even plan that. I will for second service, though. But it's, it's easy. It's easy to get caught up in the stuff, isn't it? And really, it's all about the Savior, and his name is Jesus. So I want to encourage you, jump in. If you haven't yet, that's okay. Jump in and, and try to find the times. I know it's hard to have the set time. I know for our family, like, we're, we're, sometimes we're doing this on the go. Like, literally, like, Jen, all right, hey, we're driving from one thing to the next. Open up the app. Let's do Advent right now. And it's just centering our hearts on the reason for the season, and it's so, so important. I hope that you'll do that. Also, um, we talked about the one-year Bible during announcements, and I hope that you will get one or join with us on your phone as we, as we start next year. We want to end this year with the beginning in mind, all right? We're going to end with the beginning in mind. And I don't know about you, but I want 2022 to be my best year yet. Yeah, I really believe that. I believe that for me, I believe that for you, I believe that for our church, I believe God is doing something. And so I'd like for all of us to go through the Bible in a year and go through the same passages, and I think there's going to be something powerful that happens. So I want to encourage you to jump in with us. We have those available for sale, and so you can, you can pick those up, and uh, that, would be, that would be fantastic. All right. Well, uh, we're going to jump into uh, our series, Advent. We're doing a, a whole series on Advent as we lead up to Christmas, and we talked about this last week, but Advent is the arrival of a notable person or event. And so that's kind of what the word means. And so, of course, for Christianity, what it means is the most notable person to ever be noted, and that's Jesus. And that's what we're looking forward to. And so last week, if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go online. You can go to our app. You can listen to the message. But, but we're talking about... Um, how the Jewish believers and, and the nation of Israel had waited a very, very long time for Jesus to come. They were looking forward because they realized they needed a king. They needed a king. And we talked about this last week, how all of us need a king. We're all looking for someone to fill the void. We're looking for someone or something to fill the void, but only God can fill it. And so the, the king of kings is the only one who can fill the void in our hearts. As we talked about last week, how they had looked forward to a Messiah. The Messiah came, had been prophesied. It was this amazing moment, and God had done all of this just to say, I love you so much, all right? So that was week one, and we talked about that. The king came, he lived, he died, but the great news is he's coming again. He's coming again. So that's last week. Today, I want to talk about our response. 
how do we respond now that the king has come and he is coming again, all right? And I think the answer is found in the famous Christmas song, Joy to the World, and so I'd like to sing it with everybody today if we can do that, all right? Both locations, online, we're going to sing, okay? So everybody, <clears throat> clear your throats a little bit. Me, 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 me. Everybody just get ready. I know we've been singing all morning, but now there's no music, so it's just you, okay? So it's, I want everybody to participate. So turn to the person next to you say, he's talking to you. Come on, tell the person next to you, he's talking to you, okay? All right? I don't want anybody not participating. I might just come put the mic right in your face. No, just kidding. I would never do that. I would never do that. That's mean. That's, that's, not, that's not appropriate. Okay, let's do it. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Oh, it's beautiful, guys. Let everyone prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Come on, give yourselves a big hand. That was amazing. Yeah. Now, let's just be honest. That song, like, it puts you in the Christmas spirit, doesn't it? Like, it's just amazing. And I want to I point out the theology in that song is, like, just rich. That's like, that's like a rich theological cake you just cut into, and it is just one just delicious bite of theology after another. I mean, literally, the whole song, like, Joy to the world, like what does Jesus bring? He, I don't want to break it all down for us, but he brings joy. He's, he's coming. Let earth receive her king. And this is what I want to, I want to uh, just point out, this, this one phrase. It's let every heart prepare him room. I really believe, I really believe this is the essence of Christianity. So we're, we're living in this moment where the king has come, he has is, he is saved humanity. He has offered salvation to everybody. And he is coming again to bring all who have put their hope in him back to heaven for all of eternity. It is going to be glorious. We talked about last week how the lion will lay down with the lamb and, and not eat him. It is going to be glorious. It's going to be amazing. No more tears. No more dying. No more sickness. It is going to be amazing. So we look forward to that day. But, but what do we do while we're in between. Of course, we look forward to it with anticipation, but what we have to do is what I believe Joy to the World says, let every heart prepare him room. Prepare him room. I was thinking about that this week, and I thought about Ephesians 3. It's one of my favorite verses, but it, it talks about this. Paul, he's just going on, and he's talking about the salvation in Ephesians 1, and it's how by grace we have been saved, and, and, and it's, it's, it's not by work so that no one can boast. And then he gets to Ephesians 3, and he's just, he's just vamping with excitement. He says this, when I think about all of this, I fall to my knees, and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, and I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then, then, this is what I love, this verse right here, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. That, that's the essence of Christianity, that God wants to make his home in your heart. 
It's not about God giving you a bunch of rules to follow. It's not about God uh, putting all these expectations in front of you and say, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And then maybe, just maybe, if you just dot all of the I's and cross all of the T's, maybe, just maybe, I'll let you in if you're good enough. That's actually not the gospel. The gospel is, man, God wants to make his home in our hearts. So what we get, we've, got to, we've got to make room for him. We've got to make room for him. And I was thinking about that reality, and, and I thought about a situation that happened several years ago. My wife and I had sold our house, and it was kind of a last-minute sale, and we're like, all right, let's sell the house, and it went, it went quickly, and all right, we're trying to find a house, couldn't find a house. So I was like, all right, let's find this rental. And so I found out this rental, we'll do this for a little bit, and then we'll move into our house. And, and uh, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, that looks good, and we'll go ahead and do it. Have you ever, like, have you ever, like, have you ever signed a lease without looking at the place? Have you ever done that? Don't do it if you haven't done it. If you have done it, then you know exactly how I felt in this moment where you signed the lease. Like, I think it's great. It's a great place. Went to check it out like literally the day we were moving out of our house. And it just, it just reeked. Have you ever been in a place where you're just like, man, it just smells so bad? And then like, you're like, you get into the neighborhood and you thought it was going to be a good neighborhood. Then you're like, oh man, I think they're, I think they're selling drugs right there. Like, I think someone's getting killed right there. Like, it's just not a, it's just not a good situation. That's where we were the day we're moving out. Uh, so actually the day before. And so the, so I'm like, oh man, we go check it out. And, and so Jen and I are talking, we're praying. And I was like, well, do you, I know your parents offered. Do you think? Do you think we should stay with them for a little bit? So it's like ten o'clock at night. It's literally ten o'clock at night. So we call them. We're like, and we prayed, and we really felt like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. And so we called them. We're like, hey, you know how we're moving out tomorrow? <laughs> Remember when you guys offered those rooms to us? So Jen, I forgot to say this. Jen's like nine months pregnant right now with our firstborn son. And so, so we're like, all right, hey, do you, do, you think, do you think maybe we could stay with you guys for a little bit? And so they're like, absolutely, come on. You can stay in Jen's old room. And I was like, yay, <laughs> so great. So much humble pie for the man of the house to call the in-laws and ask him to bail him out. Oh man, oh, so fun. I'm just, all the feels are happening right now. And, and so, but we didn't need one room. We needed two rooms. We need, because of course we're about to have our, our, our I mean, we're weeks away, just a few weeks away from our firstborn son being, being born. And so we're going to need two rooms. And they gave us like the upstairs, like, hey, whatever you need. It's, and they were just amazing. They were saints. And so I thought maybe a month, two months, three months. It takes six months for us to find a house. Six months. Mm, it's hard. Six months, find a house, amazing house, dream house, like in foreclosure, like, oh, this is amazing. It's like it's a, the, a bad time in the market. We're like, oh, this is a great deal. We get the house, but we start making some updates. We think it'll go fast. It takes about, it always takes longer than you think with the updates, right? Eight weeks later, getting ready to move in, we had refinished the floors, and I had an allergic reaction to the floors, so I, I literally couldn't be in the house without getting dizzy and wanting to throw up. I literally couldn't. So, and so, true story. 
We move into the house. It's two in the morning, and I'm like sick. I'm dizzy. I'm like, we've got to go back to your parents. <laughs> Eight weeks later, this is 10 months of living with your in-laws. I really believe it was God just trying to grind me down. We're able to move into the house. And they, I, I believe also they get a special reward in heaven for letting us move in. All right. So any, any parent that lets you. And, and literally, they, they cleared rooms for us. They cleared two rooms for us for 10 months. Do you know what Christianity is? you know what Christmas is? It's, it's preparing every room of our heart so that he can make his home in our heart. Not just for six months, eight months, ten months, but for eternity. It's about, it's about every heart preparing him room. Saying, God, you can have every room. You can have every place of my heart. Come on in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make way so that you can have your way in my life. And, and I thought about this idea that in the Middle Ages and even before, how a herald would go before a king when a king would have a procession. So as a king was coming through, like there would be a herald out in front of the king and, and he would say, make way for the king. Have you ever seen this in a movie? I, I feel like I've seen a movie. I can't think of a movie that I've seen it. But, and of course, it's always at a British accent, right? Make way for the king, you know, something like that. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, make way, make way for the king. I can't think of a movie, but that, doesn't that sound right? Maybe, I don't know. There's a herald that comes out and says, make way for the king. Now, the herald's important, important enough to be close to the king, but he's not the king. But he comes out in front and he says, hey, make way for the king. This is essentially what happens with Jesus. This is essentially what happens with Jesus. It's prophesied that there will be a herald that comes out in front of Christ. Isaiah chapter 40 says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. And again, this is, this is hundreds of years before Jesus is born. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So you have, a, you have one in Isaiah. Then you have two in Malachi. Two prophecies about looking forward to somebody who's going to come right before the Messiah will come. Malachi 3 says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. The one you're looking for is going to come. But right before he comes, there's going to be someone else. He's going to be a herald who's saying, make way. Get your hearts ready. Let every heart prepare a room. Open up the rooms of your heart because the king is coming home. And that person is a guy named John the Baptist. With all of these Christmas prophecies, it's amazing how many of them are like just, just to a T, detailed and completely fulfilled. And there's this guy, John the Baptist, who shows up right before Jesus comes. He's six months older than Jesus. And he's a second cousin of Jesus. So he knows Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He's cuz. He's cuz for a while, but then all of a sudden, God speaks to him and he's like, oh wait, he's more than just your cousin. He's actually the one that you've been waiting for. Let me pause for a moment and just let you know that something that happened when 
when Israel was in captivity is they didn't have the temple to worship in anymore, right? So they're away from Jerusalem. They don't have the temple. So they set up these things called synagogues. That's where it started. still continues to this day. They set up synagogues, and one of the things that they would do in synagogue is they would talk about how much they longed for the Messiah to come. And they would say this. They would say this every time they go to synagogue. No matter how long he may tarry, I will await his coming every day. That's, that's the words that they would say. No matter how long he may tarry, I will await his coming every day. So they're looking forward to this Savior, and of course, because of the prophecies, they're looking forward to someone who shows up to prepare the way, and it's John the Baptist. And the way that he handles his ministry and then the coming of Jesus is an absolute clinic on how we should make way for the king, all right? So I want to look at two passages of Scripture. I want to look at John chapter 1 and also John chapter 3, different John, okay? When you're opening the the Gospel of John, this is the Apostle John, not John the Baptist. All right, so it's important. We're going to interweave these guys. There's two guys who are going to teach us about how to prepare the way. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 1 and pull it up in your phones. We're going to go through that, and then we're going to go to John chapter 3. Okay, if you're ready to jump in, say, I am. Okay, let's do this. John chapter 1, verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. Now, this is John the Baptist. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, so he's, he's quoting the scripture. He said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. So they're like, okay, so you're the one who's coming before the Messiah is going to come. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, well, then why do you baptize if you're not the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? He says, I baptize with water. John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He's like, there's coming one who I will be like, I am not even worthy to take his shoes off. And so you skip down to verse 29, and John finds out that it's cousin Jesus. Look at this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God the Messiah, the promised one who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Some of you are like, say what? <laughs> what did you say? Someone who's come after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. He's six months younger than me, but he's been around since the beginning of time. And this is And he is the one this whole thing is about. Okay, verse 31. John's like, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He says, I, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance, but he's going to pour out his spirit on you. He is going to change the game for all of eternity. 
He says, I have seen and I testified that this is God's chosen one. He says, I've known this guy for a long time, but I'm realizing he's the one we have all been waiting for from the beginning of time. (laughs) That's what he's saying. This is him. In verse 35, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When his two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Okay, so that's the forerunner, right? This is the guy who comes before. He's done his job. He's the herald. He's saying, Mike, why for the king? He's getting out of the way. But as with anybody and with all of us, it's not always roses when you start following Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. How many know there's going to be some opposition? How many, how many know there's going to be some doubt? How many of you know there's going to be some temptation? And that's exactly what happens with John the Baptist. John chapter 3. So skip in your Bibles to John chapter 3. It's a great passage of Scripture, of course. Beginning is Nicodemus. And, and you know, John 3.16 is right in here. For God so loved the world. And then after this... John 3, 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean desert where he spent some time with them and baptized. So now Jesus is baptizing. And now John also was baptizing. So you've got them both baptizing at the same time because there was plenty of water. That makes sense. That's pretty practical. How many of the Bible's practical sometimes? God can be practical. There's plenty of water. So people were coming and being baptized. Skip to verse 26. They came to John and said to them, this this is his crew, this is his disciples, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing, and everyone is going to him. They're like, John, do you see this Jesus guy? He's stealing the market on baptisms. You had the market. You're John the Baptist. It's literally in your name. And now this Jesus guy is stealing your market share. It's classic keeping up with the Joneses, right? Every, every younger brother or younger sister knows what this is like, right? At least in my family, it's always Titus, the second born. He's always trying to be just a little bit faster than his older brother. Like, with, like, ridiculous things. Like, I brush my teeth better. Like, you know, I finish dinner faster. You know, he's always trying. Like, this is, this is the trap we can fall into, right? Competition. And we still do this, don't we? Who has more stuff? Who has a better read on life? Who's more attractive? Who manages their finances better? It's a competition that all of us can find ourselves in, can't we? Except John, he's being tempted to compete with God. This is a huge moment for him. Will he view Jesus as competing him or completing him? Is Jesus taking away or is Jesus pointing the way? This is such an important question to settle in our hearts. And if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write that down. Write that note down. Is Jesus taking away or is Jesus pointing the way? Is is he taking away our life or is he the meaning of our life? How we answer that question really defines the type of Christianity we will experience. 
I promise you this. Is he competing or is he completing? And watch how John the Baptist responds. To this, John replied, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I'm not the Messiah, but I'm set ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the, the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He says, he completes me. It's the original Jerry Maguire moment. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he completes me. And watch verse 30. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. Then the apostle John adds a little commentary in verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. The father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. And whoever believes in the son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. Fascinating. You have John the Baptist, John the Apostle coming together to teach us something very, very important that our, that our number one job is to make way for the king. And there's three realities that will help us do that, and they walk us through it, all right? First is this. He is from above. Second is he is the authority. Third is he is the way. He is from above, he is the authority, and he is the way. We do those three things, and we're going to make way for the king to make his home in our hearts. All right, we're going to unpack that here just for the next few moments. But before we do, I want you to uh, turn to three people, and in your best British accent, say, Mike, why for the king? Come on, try it. Just try it. Come on, tell three people, Mike, why? Mike, why? Start getting a little Australian there towards the end. I'm like, why? Okay. How, how can we make way? Number one, we understand he is from above. He is from above. John 3, 31 says this. The one who comes from above is above all. He's saying he's from up here. Rest of us, we're down here. He's up here. We're down here. Because he's from up here, we can trust his perspective. We can trust the way that he sees our life. He's got the better vantage point. When I was growing up, uh, we had this thing called traffic helicopters. And anybody remember traffic helicopters? Like they've pretty much gone the way of the dinosaur due to Google Maps and ways. But back in the day, You'd have like, and it'd be like live, like they'd be carrying, like especially, especially in the Detroit area, there's always, you know, congestion, and they're always like, okay, let's go right now to the chopper, you know, and just, right now I'm seeing all, we've got a little backup on 995, or right now if you turn, it'd give you the direction, it'd help you avoid all of the traffic. Now Google pretty much does that to a great job, too, it does a great job. But the point, the point of the traffic copter is that it's got the perspective that you don't have. 
So you can be like, no, 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 I don't care what he says up there. I know I-94, and it's a great route. And we're going to go ahead and do it. And you can do it to your own peril, right? To your own frustration. This is essentially what John is saying. He's up here. So he's got perspective that you and I don't have. Because he has perspective that you and I don't have, we need to trust his viewpoint. We need to make way. We need to make room. Say, God, I'm going to trust the way you see things. This is why NFL teams have people up in the booth, right? They've got coordinators up in the booth who are seeing the schemes play out. Because they're like, oh, I'm seeing that personnel. Send this personnel out there. They see things that you can't see on the field level. They have the vantage point from above. That's what John is saying. He's got the better perspective. Not only does he have better perspective, but he's got eternal perspective, right? Like he's been here from the whole thing. That's why he's like the one who has come after me has surpassed me because he was before me. He's been here since the beginning of time. Jesus This person who is incarnate right before us, John is saying this, he's been here since the beginning of all time. He's been here, he's been here when God was moving back in the Old Testament. When when Moses heard the voice of God in a burning bush, Jesus was there. When Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho, Jesus was there. When David picked up a few stones and started running towards a giant, Jesus was there. He's been there the whole time. In the victorious moments and in the tumultuous moments. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, Jesus was there. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace, Jesus was there. When Daniel was dropped into a lion's den, Jesus was there. Because he's been here the entire time. Because he was and is and is to come. He's the savior of the world. The king of kings. He's not the newest thing. He's not the latest thing. He's the oldest thing. He's the first thing, the best thing, the original thing. He's the OG. Come on, somebody. Somebody like, did he just call Jesus the OG? Yes. He's the originalist OG that ever OG'd. He's been here before all of it, and he'll be here way after all of it. This is the perspective that comes from above so you can trust his perspective this is this is all about making room in our hearts trusting God's perspective are you making room for God's perspective in your heart let me just ask you as as we're approaching Christmas very quickly are you making room for his perspective the relationships that you have are you viewing them through a godly lens or is it just selfish is it up here Or is it just right here? The resources that you have, are you you viewing them from a heavenly perspective or is it just earthly perspective? Christmas in general and, and his coming in particular, are you viewing it from a heavenly perspective? Are you seeing the game that's actually been played? Are you are you getting caught up in the traffic? 
He's saying, listen, I want you to trust me. You can trust God's perspective. Make room in your heart for his perspective. Amen? Second thing that John is keying in on is that not only is he from above, but he is the authority. He is the authority. He's he's from above, so we should trust him, but he's the authority, so we should follow him. So basically saying, his word goes. Verse 34 says, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. So when Jesus is talking, when he's teaching on a hill, when when he's explaining the way God works, it's not like all the other rabbis. It's not like, hey, well, I think it's like this or I think it's like that. He's like, no, this is the very words of God. When you see that, that, those red letters in Scripture, that is God speaking directly to you. Directly. That's God. So he is the authority. So he knows how this thing is supposed to work. He knows how your life is supposed to go. So what he, say, what he says is okay is okay. And what he says is not okay is not okay. He's the authority on it. It's like uh, Inception, Christopher Nolan. You guys remember that movie? Just raise your hand at both locations if you remember Inception. Anybody ever see it? Okay. About three people here at the North Campus that saw it. This illustration's not going to land well. <laughs> All right. Basically, Inception is about a movie about a dream within a dream. And then a dream within a dream within a dream. And you're not sure, like, what if you're in the real world or in your dream world. That's kind of the idea. And you have this little token that helps you realize if you're in the dream world or if you're not. Okay, so anyways, long story short, gets to the end. Leo, is, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, is trying to get home to his family. And at the very end, it's like he gets home to his family and he sees his kids. And it's this, oh, this epic moment. You're like, oh, he's finally getting home. And he, and he spins the token and, and, and if, if the top, it's like a little top, and if it stops spinning and falls, then, then, um, then he's in the dream world. Or, but if it, keeps go, no, if, he's in the, if it keeps spinning, he's in the dream world. But if it stops, he's in the real world. And so the, the film cuts before we know what happens. And so everyone's walking out like, oh, what was it? Was he in the dream world? Or was he in the real world? And I remember asking Jen, I was like, what do you think? And I think she was like, felt like I was like kind of like trying to be smarter than her or whatever. She goes, I don't know. And I was like, I know, right? We don't know. But what do you think? And the reality is, it doesn't matter what any of us think. It matters what Christopher Nolan thinks. Because it's his movie. There's lots of debate on it. Lots of debate. I think it was this. I think it was this. I think it was this. But Christopher Nolan is the authority on the subject because he's the author of the movie. How many of you know there is an author to life and his name is Jesus? There is an author to life. And he's crafted this thing and he's got a plan for you and he's got a way for you and he knows how you are supposed to live. So not only can he be trusted, but he can also be followed. So when God speaks something to your heart, something he wants you to do, You can trust it and you can follow it because he's the authority on all of it. Maybe it's it's getting involved 
in, in a ministry, and you're like, oh, man, I don't know, I don't think. And, and he's saying, no, I want this for you, I want this for you. And you're thinking, is this going to compete my life, or is this going to complete my life? It's always the latter. It's going to complete your life. He can be trusted, and he can be followed. There's stuff that God wants to grow in you, and there's stuff that God wants to grow out of you. And he can be trusted because he's the authority. And the last thing is this. He is the way. He's from above. He is the authority. And he is the way. John the Baptist says one of the, I think one of the most powerful verses, one of the most powerful phrases in all of scripture. And it's this. He must become greater. I must become less. Do you know what Christmas is? Do you know what Advent is? It's about us recognizing that he is greater and that we are not. And, and the, more, the more life you want to experience, I'm just, this is true. If you want to experience abundant life, real life, the life that God came so that you could experience, it will be about you becoming less and letting him become more. And by you saying, I'm gonna make way for the king. I'm not gonna push myself forward, I'm gonna push him forward. I'm not going to trust my opinion. I'm going to trust his opinion. Jesus will say this in his own words. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't get to Jesus on your own works. You can't get to Jesus on your own good intentions. You can only get to Jesus by trusting in his finished work of salvation. And saying, God, you are the way. So I'm going to trust your way. And if he is the way, then we can't be the way. And so what we need to do is get out of the way so that he can have his way. This is Christmas. This is Advent. It's looking forward to the king. John has an opportunity, right? Where his disciples come and they're like, at him he's getting that and, and John could have done that John could have been like yeah what about my ministry what about my calling what about my preferences what about the things I know I'm supposed to be doing but he doesn't do any of that he doesn't view it as competing he views it as completing does Jesus compete with you and the things you value or does he complete the things that you value is he the completion of all things for your life John says he must increase and I must decrease. Jesus says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is the essence of the gospel. What are you building? What are you trying to do? Are you building your own house? Are you stuffing it full with all of your own things? Or are you making room in your heart? the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Here's what's so amazing about all this. Let me just tie a bow on this for you. When Jesus came, when Jesus came, he's about to be born. Mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, have to go to Bethlehem for the census. And what, what, was, the, what was the problem? What was the problem that he faced? He couldn't find any room no one would take him 
And it wouldn't be the first time, would it? You'd have people who would see his miracles, who would see him do amazing things, and people would just be like, nah, I ain't got room for that. I ain't got room for that. Will you make way? Let every heart prepare him room. Will you just open it up and say, God, take it all. I'm going to make way for the king. Let's do that today. Father, this is a very important word. And I pray that you would help us with it because God, there's so many things that are competing even right now in this Christmas season. And Lord, we don't want that. We want you and we want your grace and we want your life and your spirit to be the thing that completes us. You are the one who was and is and is to come. So God, we pray that you would have your way with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take just a moment and I want to ask you, you're here today, you're watching online, you're at the South Campus and you're saying, man, this is speaking to me. Your heart is crowded. It's crowded of things. It's crowded of stuff. And you're saying, I need to make some room. I need to make some room so that he can be king. I want to encourage you just in the, in the presence of God just to do business with God today. You're a believer but your heart's getting crowded. I want, I want you to make way. I want to encourage you, make way for the king. Some of you are here today, and maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're not a follower. And the reality is, if you're not, you can't get to God. You can't get there. You can't get there on your good works. You can't get there on your good intentions. You can only get there by faith. And so you're here today, you're watching online, you're at the South Campus, and God is speaking to you, and he's saying, hey, I have a plan for you. I want to do something great for you. I have life for you. But you've got to surrender. You've got to say, God, I'm going to make way. And if that's you, and if this is speaking to you, I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want to believe God to do something amazing in your life. If you're here today and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me, I need to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time to make God my king, to make Jesus the king in my life. He's the king, but is he the king in your life? If that's you and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me. I need to make a decision to follow Christ. I want to turn from myself. I want to turn to him. Would you just slip up your hand all across here? I want to pray for you. South Campus, hands going up. Just raise it up. I want to pray for you and believe God to do something powerful in your life. Father, I pray for every person who is making a decision to follow you. I pray that, God, this would be something that is transformational, that is undeniable in their life. And, Lord, that you would help them find you, follow you, and experience the abundance that comes from making you God and King. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me at both locations? I just want to take a moment quick moment before we go. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down to the front at this time. As we get ready to sing, if you need prayer for anything, we'd like to pray for you and believe God to touch you in a powerful way. If you said, hey, I made a decision to follow Christ. We'd love to pray for you about that as well. But can we just take a moment before we rush in to whatever's next for us? 
And can we just make him the priority? Would you just lift your hands all across this place at the South Campus, even online? Can we just say, in reverence, God, we make you king. In reverence, we make you Lord. In reverence, we bow our knee to you. And we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We love you. We trust you. We follow you. And we submit to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.